0: Hello oh, and welcome to NextReads, a podcast where we read the first chapter of a young adult or middle grade book to help you figure out what to read next. This podcast might contain language or situations some listeners might find offensive or unsettling. The North Liberty Library does not necessarily endorse any author's views, but it does support the freedom of speech and the freedom to read. I'm your host, Erin, Youth and Teen Services Librarian at the North Liberty Library. My pronouns are she and her. Welcome, listeners. So today I'm going to read from a new book for the library. It hasn't even been Catalogued yet. I stole it off of the processing cart because I've been looking forward to getting this in our collection and I wanted to read it for the start of the new year. Of course, maybe you're not listening when this episode comes out. Maybe it's at some other point in the year, but it'll be a new year for me when this episode is released. So, this book is called A Seed in the Sun by Ada Salazar. And I am a big fan of her work. She has written The Moon Within and The Land of Cranes and writes in verse. So I always like to tell people to read stories in verse because it is reading poetry, but maybe a little bit more accessible poetry because it reads more like a story would. It's not necessarily about rhymes and a lot can be said in these stanzas. So it also is about, so Lula is a farm working girl with big dreams and she meets Dolores Huerta and Larry Itliong and other labor rights activists and joins the 1965 protest for workers' rights, especially migrant workers' rights. I grew up at a time where I didn't even know Dolores Huerta's name. I only learned about it later in life, so I'm very happy that there is more access to activists, especially people of color and women activists, that I did not get growing up. So, Lula aches to one day become someone whom no one can ignore, a daring ringleader in a Mexican traveling circus but between working the grape harvest in Delano, California with her older siblings under dangerous conditions, taking care of her younger siblings and mama, who has mysteriously fallen ill and doing everything she can to avoid Papa's volatile temper, it's hard to hold on to those dreams. Then she meets Dolores Huerta, Larry Itliong, and other labor rights activists, and realizes she may need to raise her voice sooner rather than later. Farm workers are striking for better treatment and wages, and whether Lula's family joins them or not will determine their future. So this book is not broken out by chapters, it's broken down by dates. And so I will just read for a little while and then I'll stop. So at the beginning, there is a little Mexican proverb that says, they tried to bury us, but they didn't know we were seeds. Imperial Valley, California, March 1965. Remolino. I sometimes think about how I lost my voice. I could have buried it in the earth, in the circo, the long row of dry dirt where we planted onion bulbs last spring while the heat of a too-hot California day fell on our arched backs like barrels of sun. It could have happened when Papa screamed for me to work faster just as I was singing along to Mama's song louder than Papa's angry words or the drone of planes spraying the fields overhead. It could have been taken by the roaring remolino that slammed into us like the storm of Papa's belt when we upset him, an out of nowhere tornado ripping through the fields. Maybe that's when the dirt-drenched air pulled my voice out of my breath and caught it in the spin of wild wind. What's left is a whispery rasp An orange-yellow mist that comes and goes like clouds. My real voice is either somewhere in the tumble of dirt, in the onion fields of the Imperial Valley, or was taken by the anger of the wind. One day, I pray it comes back. Delano, California, September, 1965. Open sky hammocks. We drown bedbugs in a pail of water. Chinches we pluck from the mattresses propped up outside on rusty barrack walls. The worst kind of chore on our first day in Delano, in another labor camp as terrible as the last and the one before that. Concha and Rafa race to see who can drown more bugs. They beat me by a lot because they're five and four years older. I ask Mama if we can sleep in our hammocks instead, but she doesn't turn around. She still can't hear the tiny hiss that comes from me when I try to speak. Mama, I try to say louder. She reads the question on my lips lula the mattresses are better so we are together and not hanging like leaves from the trees me i'd rather sleep outside in a crest of oaks at the edge of the grape fields all around us with surcos like long fingers spread through the vineyard and thick vines growing big across the wires i'd rather sleep beneath a blue black sky glistening with bright stars a stage a place to dream where I can announce a make-believe circus like a ringmaster to an audience of hooting owls hunting field mice in the night. Outside, under the dense, starry sky, we can only see in the backroads of California, where we work and chase the harvests, so different from the city where we hardly go and where the glow of lights washes away the contrast. Yes, it's colder in our hammocks than in the one-room wooden barrack, especially in the winter, but so much better than getting eaten alive by chinches. Pero, mamá, I wish we could, I tried to argue. No time for wishing, Lula. Mamá leans on my shoulder as she passes me, holding a grass broom. Her long, thick braid lays against her neck as her body bends like a willow branch, and she sighs. Vamos, Lula, concha, Rafa. Let's keep cleaning, mi amores. Light blue schoolhouse. I watch water glisten as it splashes against the tin of the pail I fill at the only tap at this new but familiar camp. I think of the light blue schoolhouse I saw from the truck as we arrived and my ponza flutters. I wonder about the new school year and if the school will have a 12th grade for Concha and a 7th grade for me because there's never a guarantee. A school? where we'll be the new faces along with other farmworker kids whose families came like ours for the grape harvest, and who also won't know what they'll be learning and will struggle to catch up. An actual school. Not housework, not watching my baby siblings, and not fieldwork. Back in Bakersfield, Rafa missed so many days he was whittled down two whole grades. That's when he had it, and instead followed Papa and Mama into the fields each daybreak to pick whichever crop was in season. Truant officers didn't even blink to see him in the fields as dandelion tall as he is. I'd taken what Concha once told me to heart. No matter how much we miss, no matter if teachers are mean, no matter they sometimes punish us for speaking Spanish, no matter if we can't keep friends, school is ours. Lula, you're here to soak up anything you can. Porque tomorrow we'll be on the road again, and the only thing, you can take with you, she tapped my head, is up here. The best thing about Concha is she loves school as much as me. Concha's gentle brown eyes are maps when I can't find my way. Baby work. Papa comes back with work orders from the crew leader and a face Folded in worry. He, Mama, and Rafa will pick grapes tomorrow morning. Our baby sister, Gabriella and babyist brother, Martin, will go with them so Concha and I can go to school. Mama doesn't ask us to work the fields to pick cotton, potatoes, strawberries, or grapes because that's when school's in session. Mama doesn't ask us to skip school to watch the babies either. She likes what we learn about the world outside the fields. She loves to hear us translate for her the stories in the books we get to read, the English transforming into Spanish that she and Papa speak. Threat of a truant officer or no truant officer, I don't think Mama would want it any other way. I wouldn't mind watching the babies. Gabby and Martin are two balls of sweet masa with legs. Gabby's almost three and runs like a cheetah on her bare feet, with one too many toes on each foot. Mama calls her una hija de Dios, and because she's a child of God, she's perfect, just as she is, with no need for shoes we can't afford anyway. Martin crawls like a ladybug, because being one year old is still pretty little. He reaches up with his dimpled hands whenever he wants to be carried, and we always happily sweep him up. It's not hard to do squishy baby work like that. As scabs. I overhear Papa tell Rafa, Caramba, we just walked into a strike. Men with picket signs and bullhorns were yelling at all of us not to work. What do you think they're fighting for, Papa?" I get closer, but he pulls Rafa aside and gives me a what-do-you-want-nosy kind of look, but I can still hear him. Los Filipinos seem to have left the fields because they want higher wages. They're on huelga, and they think we're taking their jobs, he says. Do you think there'll be trouble, Appa? Rafa asks. They were protesting and screaming, don't be escabs at us while we were getting crew orders. Josecito said escab means traitor because we are crossing their picket line. Papa says the word scab, like his tongue is a skipped record, adding a syllable up front. Mama is sitting at the edge of the bed, holding her head between her hands like she's hurt, frowning into her closed eyes. I want to see what's wrong with her, but I stay outside the barrack so Papa doesn't know I'm snooping. Martin toddles up to Papa, reaches up to him. Papa unfolds his brows and arms, lifts him up and tosses him into the air with a ah, mi muchachito. Papa saves his sweetness for the babies. As soon as we get older, seeing his love for us is a sight as rare as rain falling on desert earth. I'm going to read one more. Carpa smiles. I remember a time before the whirlwind, a time before Gabby and Martin were born, when we snuck into the circus, Rafa and me. Papa went without his bottles of beer for once to buy three tickets for Mama, Concha, and him. Hidden behind crates, Rafa held up the tent's wall to keep me from getting scratched like he did as he crawled beneath the canvas. We emerged into a flurry of people, trying to get a seat to see La Carpa Vasquez, the traveling Mexican circus. We squirmed, pushed, and shoved other kids to sit up front. As the lights began to dim, I searched and found Concha, Mamá, and Papá sitting still inside a crowd, moving like ants around them. Suddenly, the lights, the music, and a loud, booming voice welcome us. Señoras y señores, niños y niñas, welcome to the world-famous La Carpa Vasquez. That's when I saw it. Papá's smile, with its missing right-side molar, A smile so pretty and wide it shined like a galaxy in the center of the deep brown night on his face. I don't understand why he never lets us see it, but seeing him smile because of the ringmaster's smooth voice opened up my own sonrisa like a squash bloom following the light of day. I swept my head around and was pulled like never before and never since into the magic of La Carpa. The clown jugglers, the comedians, the singers, the dancing dog show, the tightrope walkers, and the flying trapeze. Rafa and me clapped, hollered, and fell on each other. Donos de Reza. When I took a breath, a dream was etched in my heart to join the circus one day as ringmaster. I think about the ringmaster whenever I am still. I think about how his voice made the lights of Papa's face come alive. I want to be one of the reasons Papa smiles. And as much as I would like to keep reading, I am going to stop there. I hope that that story of Lula is interesting to you and you want to check this out when it's ready for checkout. And if anything, that it makes you want to know a little bit more about the history of migrant workers, especially those from Mexico that often pick the fruits that we eat from the supermarket. So I hope you will join me next time for another Next Reads. Thanks!